It's so good to be back here today. I, I, every time I come here, I, I think of the Apostle Paul who, who wrote to the church in Philippi that I, I thank God every time I think of you um, because of this gospel partnership that we have. And it's so amazing to me that almost like 15 years ago, 15 years ago in September, I stood here in this pulpit for the first time. And John didn't know what to call me then. Um, I don't want to repeat what he called me that day, but he just, it's changed so much, our relationship. And so it's just so cool to see and know that, that we've had this friendship, this partnership in the gospel for 15 years and how we continue to walk together through that. So thank you very much. Um, I, I also think about often what it must have been like to follow behind the Apostle Paul. You know, when the Apostle Paul came through and he preached and then the person had to come up behind him and preach or what it was like to follow the Apostle John or, or, or even, even these great preachers, you know, some great preachers like George Whitfield or Charles Spurgeon coming up and just like, what would it be like to like have to come in behind them? And so I feel a little bit like that today, having to come behind John and Phil, but I appreciate this today, this opportunity, because I respect you so much as a pastor and you guys are super blessed. I know you know this, but you're super blessed to have a pastor like John. And I thank you so much for that. So, and I don't say that, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mean that as like the niceties I'm supposed to do. I don't really play by those rules. Um, what you see is what you get. But I really just, um, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't just say that when we go somewhere. So thanks so much. I want to share a little bit about like Honduras. I know some of you guys hear it. Um, I know some of you guys know a little bit about it. And, and then I want, to, I want to share a little bit about what's going on there. But the first thing is, is that just to kind of get some misconceptions out of the way real quick, some people still don't know where Honduras is at. Um, and so just, just so you know, we've got Texas, Guatemala, uh, Mex Mexico, Guatemala, and then Honduras. And so we're in, in Central America and Central Central part of, of Central America. And, so, and there's still a lot of people that keep saying like, oh, you're in Honduras, so you, know, you probably live in a mud hut. Um, I don't live in a mud hut. I don't live in the jungle. Um, I live in a city of 25,000 people. We live in a nice house. Um, I drive a Toyota truck. Some people are like, oh, you're on horses all the time. Not all the time. Main Lou and West is there. Um, do I get on horses? Um, and, and I'll tell you, I was just meeting with one of the, with one of the pastors. He's, he's, I have a great respect for this man. He's one of the top leaders in the country, this pastor of Elio Reyes. And I was meeting with Pastor Avelio, and every time I see Pastor Avelio, he always makes mention of this photo that's flying around the, the, wherever photos go these days. And it's this picture of me trying to get on a donkey, all right? And this donkey's loaded down with sacks of, of um, sand, and uh, it just so happened that this was a trip that you guys came down on, that we came down and we, we were helping them bring sand out of the river. And there's this picture of me like, like this, like trying to get on this donkey. And so every time he sees me, he always says, hello, Shannon, how's it going? He goes, you know, I, you know, you know, he tries to always like make fun of me. And so thank you guys for that. Um, it's been this great connector that I always have with, uh, with Pastor Valio. Um, so it's really awesome. Well, if you guys don't know, you have a partnership with, with the church that exists in Santa Elena and the church that exists in San Pedrito. And uh, so today, Pastor Trini knew that I'm coming here today. I, I saw Trinidad and, and he wanted me to tell you guys something. And so he said, Dios lo bendiga, gracias por todo, por su apoyo, y nos esperamos por la próxima visita. Venga pronto, por favor. So I did it, I told him I would say, I would come say it, so I said it, that's what he said to you guys. Um, so with that, uh, <laughs> what he's basically saying is uh, he misses you guys and, and he thanks you for all, all your help and he can't wait till you come back. And so he's very, very interested. Um, he's actually got some work for you to do, Rusty. Um, and so he's very thankful for that. And, and in fact, if you got to go on the trip a couple years ago, um, every time I go see training now, there's people in the community that come up and they always talk about the day that you guys moved rocks 
in the middle of the road and helped them in the construction of, of one of the community buildings. That had such an impact on what they were doing. And so um, it's, thank you guys for that. They still, that still, that had a lasting impact and it still impacts the people there. So just real quick, I, I just want to just make some clarifications and just share a few things about what we're doing before we talk about what's going on. John told me today not to worry about time, and I, I told him I would condense my message, so three, four o'clock will be good. Um, and so I have a lot to share with you guys today, but I'm going to try to condense that down real quick and, and, and share. Um, I, I think where God, the journey God's been taking us on and, and where God wants us to do with 61 Isaiah Ministries is to walk with people. And that was very much influenced by Pastor Trini. By, by spending time with Pastor Trini, God opened up my heart and showed me the importance of walking with people. I, mean, I was just sitting here when we were doing worship, and I was just really loving this um, in English. And it was just beautiful to hear you guys worshiping and how neat that, that you guys have the, the praise band up here. And it just shot back all these memories of all this stuff that happened long ago when we were arguing over which way to worship and what was the right way to worship. And if we could just worship the right way, then we would have a church full of people because that was the way to reach people. And then it made me think about all the, all the times that we've argued about how all, if we do this strategy or do this, then, then we'll just reach people. And, and in the reality, what the Lord has taught me more than anything else is that if we don't walk with people, we won't reach people. And it really comes down to relationships. That's the bottom line. Until we're willing to make relationships, we are not going to reach people. We can present all we want and have everything we want within the church, the right band, the right pastor, the right message, the right parking lot, the right gym, the right, all these other things. We can have all the right programs. But until we're willing to walk with people, we're not going to grow. The kingdom's not going to expand because Jesus came to walk with people. And Trini taught me that. Trini taught me that by walking with Trini. Um, you know, many of you guys have probably heard that, you know, the trip is, is a lot like maybe it's, there's a lot of hiking, you know. I don't know if anybody's complained or whined about the hiking or not. I have a sense that probably so. Um, and, and a lot of people have wondered why we go do that, you know. Uh, I'll never forget the year that we were hiking and somebody got sick and it was like, we've got to get out of here right now. We've got that bad hike out of here, you know. It's 38 minutes down. It's 54 up. That's, a, that's an average. Um, and, and, you know, we pass by all these rocks that have names. John has a name for one of his rocks because that's where he sits down at. And, um, and, and many people have names from West for those rocks. And so as, as, as we're on our way out of there, I remember the day that, that um, there was this emergency because we had to get somebody out of the village real quick um, because they were sick. And I remember saying, well, look, let's just, just calm down for a second. Let's just go out the other way. And then it was like, okay, What? There's another way? So, well, yeah, it's just real straight. It's flat. It's not hard. It's just pretty easy to get out. And they're like, we've been coming here for, we've been coming here for three years, and there's another way? Why have we been going the hard way? And I said, because that's the way Trini walks. And we walk with Trini because that's what's most important, not the easy way, but the hard way. And the hard way is walking with Trini. What gives us the right that we get to have vehicles to park early or park sooner have the easy way in when Trini, who's much older, walks three times and four times a week, not three, four times a week, every week, we're going to walk with him down there. And God's been showing me that. And as we open that up, we see that there really isn't this what Jesus was doing, right? Isn't it what Jesus came to do? He came to walk with people. And I look at this beautiful process in the life of Jesus as, as he enters the scene, as he is born. We have people that are lost 
and, and really lost on all kinds of levels. Not only lost just spiritually far from God, have no idea of God, but even people who were, who, who were in religion, who were following Judaism, who were following the law, who were trying to do what's right, they were still lost. And Jesus comes, and my, one of my favorite passages comes out of John chapter 1 when the disciples are, are, are walking with John the Baptist. And the John the Baptist, just out of nowhere, goes, hey, there he is. That's the one. That's him right there. Look, that's the Lamb of God. That's the one I've been talking about. And not once, not twice. In fact, it's the third time that John the Baptist claims that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Finally, two guys work up the courage to walk over to Jesus and awkwardly go, uh, well, uh, hey, uh, the... Mm, Rabbi, good sir, um, well, uh, where, where are you staying at tonight? Like, that wasn't awkward, right? It's not like, hey, how you doing? It's like, hey, where you spend the night at? It's like this awkward interaction that they have. And Jesus simply says, without any, any attempt to convince, any attempt to make everything beautiful and great, he basically says, follow me and you'll find out. And I think so often that, that, that we try to make everything so much easier, the path so much easier, we'll do this for you, and look, we're going to make this appealing, and this is great, and you have to understand that Jesus' invitation was simply, come follow me and walk with me. And the experience with Jesus was so great that the Apostle John, in John chapter 1, actually noted down the time that he spent with them. You ever have one of those good trips when you remember second by second, moment by moment, and then there's other times it's like, man, where were we at? What were we doing? It wasn't one of those. It wasn't one of those, yeah, we went, where were we? No, John sat down there and he noted the hour and the moment, every second that he spent with Jesus because it was precious. It fired Andrew up so much that Andrew went immediately and told his brother. If you understand the personalities of the disciple, Andrew is a really calm guy. He's really always in the background. He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. And Peter's always got his foot in his mouth and he's always stamping in front of people. And, and Peter went to his annoying older brother and basically said, I know you're going to steal the show and I know it's all going to be about Peter for a while, but you got to know, you got to know who this guy is. We have found him. The next day, Jesus goes over and he just walks up to Philip. Out of nowhere, he just walks up to Philip and he goes, hey, Philip, follow me. No... Listen, let me try to convince you and lay this out for you and explain this to you. No, follow me. Philip runs off and he breaks it down to Nathaniel and goes, we have found the one the law has spoken about. We found the one the prophets have spoken about. We have found the Messiah. He is Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel goes, Nazareth, what good can come out of Nazareth? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, the Messiah is coming from Nazareth, right? I grew up in Strawn, all right? It's like saying the Messiah came from Gordon. <laughs> yeah, right, okay? If you know anything about Strawn and Gordon rivalry, <laughs> are you kidding me? What could possibly come out of that? And Nathaniel, I mean, Philip basically goes, dude, you've got to come check it out. And these guys walked with Jesus. And what I've learned more and more is that this walking with people is so important because Jesus walks with them for three and a half years. He walks with them through all these things. And I think God has called us to walk with people. That's what God's called me to do. I'm not, I, I don't really, I'm not interested in building things. I'm not interested in going out and giving things away. I'm not interested in those things. I'm interested in walking with people through everything that they're doing. And you see that Jesus meets people before they even knew who he was he invites them to walk with them. They get to this point where they kind of understand. I mean, kind of. 
Halfway, you know, after walking with Jesus for a while, Jesus asks them, who do you say I am? And, or who do people say I am? And they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe a Elijah or maybe a prophet. And Jesus goes, no, who do you say I am? And Peter finally goes, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, yes, you get it. And then like, you know, the next sentence, he's basically calling Peter Satan and get behind me, Satan, because you don't understand what's really happening. And so Peter gets it, but then he doesn't. And even after walking all this time, Jesus is saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And the disciples are like, okay, yeah, whatever. He dies, and then a light bulb kicks on going, wow, you do what you really said you were going to do. Whoa! But yet in Acts chapter 1, we see the disciples, after the resurrection and after more than 40 days on earth, they find Jesus, and they walk to him, and they're like, so, question, at this time, are you going to restore Israel? Like, is this the time? And Jesus is like, you've missed it. I didn't come to restore Israel. I came to restore a relationship with God. You don't quite still get it yet. But you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Go back to Jerusalem. And I'll tell you what, my three years spending with me and all the preaching stuff, that just was the starter because the Holy Spirit's about to fall on you and it is going to click. But first, I want you to understand that I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. You take this message everywhere. And what do they do? They go and they spend time and the Holy Spirit falls on them and the world has never been the same since. It's this beautiful thing because our lives are the same. That's what God's called us to do in Honduras. That's really, I mean, there's a lot more to it. And there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of details, all right? So I'm sitting here trying to think, like, how do, what do I really share with this? I can share you my core values. I can share with you our strategies. I can share you with this. But let me just sum this up. I'm going to sum everything up right here is that I want to walk with people in Honduras. And I really just want to walk with anybody. I don't care if they're Honduras. I'm, I want to walk with you. I've been walking with you. I want to keep walking with you. And my heart today is even, I can't even just come up and say, look what we're doing in Honduras. I'm trying to help you today to get to where I feel like God's called us all to get, and that is from the call to the commission. I want you to be saved more than anything else and understand how beautiful Jesus is, but I also want you to get to the commission, and the commission means this. I want you to be an active participant in the Great Commission. I want you to be an active participant. What does that mean? It means I want you sharing the gospel, and I want you sharing with people, because that's what Jesus called us to do. Bottom line. That's where it all comes down to. We can talk about being good church members. We can talk about having good attendance. We can talk about tithing. We can talk about not sinning, about drug, sex, and rock and roll, and don't mess with all that stuff. But in the end, in the end, when it all comes down to it, we are to share the gospel. And if we're not doing it, we're not doing what he called us to do. And that's the bottom line. And I know you know that. I know you know that because I know your pastor told you that. I know you know that because you've grown up. I know you know that. But here's what also I found out. There's always something that hinders us from sharing the gospel. There's something within us. There's something happening with us. There's some, something that's there. You wouldn't believe the amount of people that I run into that have said, I've always felt called to missions and I never did it. Why? Why? Well, because this happened or that happened. You know, I end up, now well, we got married, got in some debt, things changed, and I just didn't, I just didn't, I just never went. But I've, I've, man, I've got a passion for it and I've always wanted to do it. Well, I tell that person it's not too late, even now. I run into people all the time that, that as we walk on this journey, as we're going through this journey from the call to commission, then there's always something that gets in the way. Now, whew, here's, here's what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about, all right? Faith is required for salvation. 
To begin our faith journey, we must have faith. We must trust in the faith of Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith through grace, right? We got that, right? We got to have that faith. But faith is also required to continue on your journey. So my question for you today is this. Have you had a faithful experience or are you walking a faithful journey? Let me say that one more time. Have you had a faithful experience or are you walking a faithful journey? What I mean by that is, is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you, has it been that you have accepted Jesus? Or as you continue to step out in that faith and him showed you something even greater that he wants to do through you. Because if the only thing Jesus wanted to do was to save us, then wouldn't we go straight up when we get saved? Why leave us behind? If all it was about was confessing him as Lord and Savior, then wouldn't he just take us up right, right then and there? He leaves us behind. Why does he leave us behind? Why does he leave us here? Because he wants us to walk on the faithful journey because he wants to invite us to be a part of something much greater than him or than us. And that's to be a part of him. He invites us to be a participant in his work. But in order to do that, we must step out on those faith steps just like we did at salvation. And we get the, we, sometimes we hit this wall that prevents us from doing that. Education might be that wall. Finance might be that wall. Sin might be that wall. Marriage might be that wall. Something hits that wall. And our job in Honduras and what we do is we come to walk with people to find out where that wall is. So what do I mean by that is? I go, we build relationships, we make sure someone knows Jesus, and then we begin walking with them to find out what's hindering them from being a part of that. One of the things that hindered Trini more than anything else from being a participant was finances. He had a lack of opportunity. He had a lack of resources. Some people say this thing. I know you've probably heard this saying before, so I'll just say it again. Give a man a fish, he'll eat a day. Teach a man a fish, he'll eat a lifetime. We've heard this. Have we heard this before? It's not complete. It's not true. I'll tell you why. Because when we say that, what we're really talking about is education. If we educate somebody on how to do something, then they'll be able to do it for themselves. And that is somewhat true, but it's not completely true. And I'll tell you why. Because you can have all the education in the world, but I'll tell you what. If you ain't got a fishing pole, you ain't going fishing. If you ain't got a fishbowl, if you ain't got a hook, if you ain't got bait, <laughs> you ever try to go fishing without bait? I remember being a young kid trying to go fishing, didn't, couldn't find bait, couldn't find, couldn't find worms without their digging, can't find worms, couldn't find anything else, man. Somebody said, try gummy bears. All right, I don't care. I just want to go fishing. So if you don't have the resources, you can't get there. But let's say this, even if you can go fishing, right? Do you, know, do you guys know how many lakes are in Honduras? Cool fact, one. One lake, that's it. If you got the education, you have the resources, but you can't have access to the lake, where are you going fishing at? In other words, if you don't have access to the global market, what are you doing? If you don't have access to the local market, what are you doing? So what I mean is, is that, you know, am I called just to go sell everybody, hey, you need Jesus, and they're like, I accept Jesus. Like, all right, good job, let's move on. Okay, good job, good luck. No, baby, I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you through this part till you become a participant in the Great Commission. Found Trini, found Trini at his house one day, long time ago, many years ago, found Trini at his house, walked straight up. I said, Don Trini, how you doing? He said, well, Shannon, I don't like to gripe, but I've, I just got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing too good. And I said, I can see that. <laughs> That's why I asked. I can see you're not doing good. I said, what's going on? He said, you know what? I, I, I'm having a hard time eating. I said, like, like stomach hurt or what? And he goes, no, there's no food. <laughs> he goes, we, little food we have, I give it to my kids and my wife. I said, Dang, okay. Well, um, 
We're going to solve that right now. And I went and got him food right then. And I began asking questions like, what, what happened? Why don't you have food? And he began telling me the struggles that he was having, the things that he was having. The, there's just, there's no water. There's no crops. There's, there's not opportunity to work. He's having these difficulties. And lo and behold, I get this phone call and found out that um, all of a sudden, First Baptist Church West wants to come down. I'm going to take you guys to Trini. Y'all would love Trini. I know that you guys would love Trini. And we go to Trini, and I was looking through some pictures the other day of, of Rusty and, and Phil and I. And we were sitting there talking to Trini, and they were asking, what's the greatest thing you can do? What's, what's the greatest work that we can do? And I remember saying, we can only do so much for the church, but if we don't take care of the leader, there's nothing we can do. How do we do that? How much it costs? Let's write him a check. I said, whoa, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not just going to give him something. Let's figure out how to use the gifts and talents that God has given him so he may be sustainable on his own and he may be able to move forward in the work. And lo and behold, we came up with getting a cow. Why? Because we'd already been vis visiting all the villages. We'd already been building relationships with everybody in the village and we knew one thing they didn't have and that was milk. I said, well, that's a great marketing aspect. See, previously what had happened is Within, in, in Santa Elena, and, and I'm sorry, in San Pedrito, where Trini lives, we had this idea that we were going to teach all the women how to sew. The former missionary had taught them how to do that. He had a sewing program. And the women came in, they learned how to sew. And they got a skill, right? They, they, they learned how to fish, so to speak. The only problem is, is that when every woman in the entire community knows how to sew, what do you do? You, you, you flood the market with that capability of them having any sustainable income. So the reason we went with a cow is because, well, no one has a cow. And next thing I know, Trini and his wife are milking a cow and his son's milking a cow and are producing cheese and milk and everything like that. And next thing I know, they're eating. He's got energy. The house is being redone. The house is being added to. And we go out and see Trini one day, and all of a sudden I look up there, and there's a bunch of coffee sitting there. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, you know, I went, out and got, I went out and bought some coffee. And so what I'm starting to do is I buy coffee from people that can't get it down to the village or can't get it down to the city. I process it, and then I go sell it for another price. Pretty good. And I start going, one, two, three, four, five. Ooh, <laughs> I know how much one of them bags of coffee costs. That's looking pretty good right there, buddy. I, you're doing pretty good. See, First Baptist Church West... In helping and walking with me allowed, uh, allowed you to walk with, the, with Trini and you lit a spirit underneath him and you helped him find the gifts and talents that he had to become entrepreneurial, to take care of himself, to take care of his family. We went even further with that and next thing you know, I showed up one day and the cow's gone and I'm like, what, what, whoa, whoa, what happened to the cow, man? I'm sitting there going, man, I got to call First Baptist Church of West and tell them that Trini sold that cow. Oh, no. You know what Trini did? He did sell that cow. You know what he did with it? He went and bought his own coffee. See, now he's not buying coffee from people. He's producing coffee. And now he's able to say himself even more. Take it even a step further is that we went in and Trini needed some money, needed some help to get a loan because he bought a truck. First time he's ever owned a vehicle. And what do we do? Loaning that money, and guess how he's paying it back? With coffee. In fact, to tell you the truth, that coffee's sitting outside the foyer right now. It comes from Trini's farm, picked by his hands, processed by his hands, and it's sitting right out there. 
See, I didn't give Trini a creek to fish in. I'm trying to help him fish in the ocean. I'm actually working right now to make where Trini's coffee can come to the United States permanently. And Trini now doesn't have to spend all his time figuring out where his food's coming from. Trini now focuses on growing the kingdom. You said, how do you know that? How do I know that? Because Trini came to me and he said, Shannon, it's time for me to leave Santa Elena. I'm going to process and pass on the work to two guys I've been building up. I said, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to start a new church right here in my hometown. And they've called me down in the other town and said, there's not a pastor, and I'm going to go down there and help pastor that church. You see, Trini has the ability to be a participant in the Great Commission because he's no longer hindered by the financial strains. And it's not about handing him money. It's about having him opportunity to use the gifts and talents that God's given him. That's not all of it. I, I, I'm, I'm two minutes over, and I've got to stop now. And I tell you right now, here's the thing is, it's not just about having somebody with coffee. It's about coming in and restoring marriages. My wife and I are fighting strong for marriages because there's so many people that want to come up and serve Jesus, and they say, I can't serve Jesus because I'm not married. And you know what? The first thing you say is, get married. Come on, man. Step it up. Get married. It's not that hard. But you know, it actually is hard because in our country, it takes 14 requirements to get married. That means it takes multiple trips down to the bank to pay if there's electricity and if the system's working. It takes the time to come in and actually go out and pay for that. In fact, to tell you the truth, it's about two months' worth of labor, two months' worth of wages to get married. And you know what? It's not like you go home and say, Mom, Dad, I've met the world one of my dreams. Here she is. It's not like she goes, Daddy, Poppy, here he is. This is the one I want to marry. And they're like... Let's plan a wedding. I'll pay for it. No big deal. It doesn't happen like that. You want to get married, you pay for it yourself. Not only that, that's just to get married civilly. You can't even talk about what it's like to get married in the church because then you've got to have a big fiesta. And that costs money too. And that's if you have a consistent job. And so marriage sucks that. So what do we do? Let's take it on. Let's take it all on. Last May, my wife and I met with the President of Congress of Honduras and said, let's change the laws of, of the country. Just got our first response this past week, and they're starting to change the laws towards marriage, making it more affordable for people to get married. It's not just about finance. It's not just about money. It's, it's, it's about all these things that hinder us because sometimes it's just about sin. It's just about helping somebody break free from the chains of sin that they have. In the end, God has called us to be participants in the Great Commission so that we can share the gospel with somebody and that they can begin that journey. That's all we're doing. I don't have any programs. I don't have any projects. I don't do programs and projects because the people that I work with are not statistics. The people that I work with are real people and they have names and they have lives. And I want to see revival take out. I want to see a, a movement begin in Honduras that changes the world. Do you know my end goal? You want to know the end goal of what we're doing? I want to send missionaries from Honduras all over the world to go walk with people in the Middle East, to walk with people in Asia, to walk with people in Africa. People say all the time, how much longer are you there? Whew. <laughs> Until the Lord says stop. What's beautiful is this, is that we have the Great Commission in Acts chapter 1, but if you go a few chapters later, just, 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 just go just a little bit more. To Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. 
See, this, the apostles started walking with the converts. It wasn't just that Peter got up and saved 3,000 that day. They began to gather together, and Peter began showing exactly what Jesus showed them. He began walking with the church, and they gathered, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Where did the apostles' teachings come from? Jesus. He was, he was sharing them. They were fulfilling the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I know, everything I've taught you. And lo and behold, I'll be with you always. And so they're teaching them. And you see them teaching. You see them walking with people. You see them helping people. And it says, and they came together in fellowship and unity. In fact, it tells us that they went and they sold their possessions to make sure no one was in need so that no one was inhibited physically, spiritually from sharing the gospel and fulfilling that great commission. But one of the greatest things that this says is that they broke bread together and they absorbed the Lord's Supper. I can't tell you what an honor it is to come here and absorb the Lord's Supper with you. I know for many of us it's just an ordinance. It's just a, it's just a, it's just something we do every so often. But I want to tell you what. The last time I got to have fellowship and be in a worship service with the members of First Baptist Church West, we did a worship service and observed the Lord's Supper in Santa Elena. And something happened that day that I saw the power of the Lord's Supper the power of how we are trying to unite the world. We're trying to bring people together. Can't we get along with policy? Can't we get along with this rule and regulation? Can't we get along with this? And the Lord gave us the key to unity. He gave us the key to everything. And that is right here. Because in that moment that we were in Santa Elena, when John couldn't speak Spanish, and he still can't now, but when he couldn't speak Spanish, when Rusty doesn't speak Spanish and when Don can't speak Spanish when people are not here and you can't you cannot do anything you can't say anything I can't do anything I can't I can't communicate I can't share everything you can share and you can show who you belong to and who we are when we take that because the moment that that wine grape juice and that bread hit our lips is the most unified moment we are because we do that under Jesus. And yes, I'm a guest here. I've been a friend for 15 years. I consider you my family. I love you to death. I really do. In fact, had God not called me to Honduras, I might have been here working with you guys in, the, in, in that. John, am I right? But God had something bigger. John called me said, hey, will you come be youth minister? I said, I can't. God's called me to go to Honduras. I love you guys. But I want you to understand what's special for me today is I feel like I get to be even more a part of you. Not because I live here. Not because I earn the right to live here. Okay, I understand all that small town stuff, all right? I do. Even stuff in Texas stuff. How you, not, you can't be born somewhere else and move to Texas and be a Texan. I get that, okay? All right? And I talk all the time that all I want to do is be a catracho. A catracho is a true Honduran, a, a real Honduran. And my kids tell me all the time, Mr., it'll never happen. You can never be a catracho. Never. Because you don't have the blood of a catracho. And I always tell them, but you can be a child of God because we share the same blood. That blood we're going to observe in a minute. In a moment today, don't let this pass by you as just another ordinance. I'm 10 minutes over, but please hear me though. Don't let this pass by as another ordinance. This is a moment when we are united generationally, when we are united cross-culturally, when we are united with Honduras and First Baptist Church West. And what an honor it is for me. For me personally, I'm selfish this morning. What an honor to share the Lord's Supper in Honduras, in the hills of western Honduras, with my brothers and sisters and get to come here and share it with you today.
This is beautiful. So understand, we've got a wonderful time to unite together. Not just with the Lord's Supper, but also in the future. So I invite you, come walk with me as I'm walking with the people of Honduras.